listening to the Uloft podcast presented by United IUP, a community of college students and young adults in Indiana, Pennsylvania, who are dedicated to unite with each other and Christ to change the world around us. We hope that this podcast raises questions and answers others while ultimately starting a conversation to discover unifying biblical truth in this chaotic world. Hey, what is up? Welcome to the Uloft podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Um, I am one of your hosts, Kendall Kersey, and I have got some awesome people here with me today. Um, first up, we've got Michael with us, the velvet voice himself. If you've been on the podcast in the last couple of episodes, you already know this man's voice is butter, like just beautiful. Go ahead. Give the people what they want. Man, you set the standard so high that um, I'm not really sure I can live up to it, but I'm really happy to be here and glad to join you all. You know what you should do is when you edit, because Michael edits his podcast, and so um, when he edits it, he should just like put his voice down another octave. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going to bass boost myself and leave everybody else. There you go. That's nice. And also, we've got uh, Donovan, the man man that has many essential oils in his house (laughs) Um, because, well, he runs a business. So it's more than essential oil. It's good stuff. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of essential oils. This is true. (laughs) And there's so much more to unpack with that, but we'll leave it there. I I like lavender. There you go. I'm still a man. There you go. Okay. Well, Donovan, the lavender loving man. Lavender lover. uh, Then uh, we've got Miss Julia Buggy, and she's not alone today uh, in- Nope. um, I got a girl to my front. I was going to say to my left or right. Okay. Yeah. To right. Kind of it's to the right. If you were on, if we were on video, it'd make a lot of sense. I like how you kind of just, you know, uh, extended the word girl to try to figure out what you're going to say. So (laughs) we're getting off to a great start. This is awesome. This is great content, by the way. Uh, Yeah. So we've also got uh, Sam Carey with us. Um, She has started an earring revolution. Absolutely. uh, I have. In Pennsylvania. So if you don't know, you should know. Get on the Sam Jam creative carry train. I got um, more clay yes. in my house than Donovan has essential oils in yeah. his house. So. That is true. That, that, that is true. That is probably true. <laughs> got the clay and the essential oils. Well, we are so glad that you guys have joined us today. Um, hey, we are in our series at United on relationship goals. And uh, we are heading into, well, we're about to go into week three. We just had week two. And uh, we're going to be discussing in our U groups um, about what, uh, what purposes God has for us, um, what purposes God has for us now in our relationships uh, personally um, and just as a whole. And so, uh, again, we've said it many times, we say it every time on this podcast, that we want this to be a discussion um, that helps you that helps you grow in your connection with Jesus Christ, that, that helps you grow in your relationship with him. Um, and really it serves as a U group for, uh, like an extra U group, essentially. Um, U groups are the way that we do small groups here at United. And, uh, this allows you to kind of get in on the conversation, no matter where you're at. Um, and if you can't attend one in person, then, Hey, you can listen to this. So we're going to dive right in. We're actually taking some of this content, uh, or at least these questions, um, from 
the Relationship Goals Study Guide uh, by Michael Todd. And so he uh, did not come up with the idea the idea of relationship goals, but he did come up with a great book um, that we've kind of been using as uh, alongside um, the Word of God to really kind of uh, to uh, push this content forward, essentially, to to illuminate the truth of what real relationships should look like, what our real relationship goals should be. And today we're going to talk about spirituality. Um, so the first question I want to open it up to, and uh, any of you guys can answer this, is that uh, in the book, um, Relationship Goals, Michael says this, you can't have the best kind of relationships. You can't win at relationships, in fact, without God. So you can't even have the best kind, and you cannot win without God. I want somebody to go ahead and give me an example of a relationship in your life or the life of someone you know uh, that proves this to be true or that has proven this to be true. So we're jumping straight in, like share your soul and all of your secrets right now. So um, yeah, uh, let's give an example of that. What is a relationship in your life uh, or someone that you know that proves that, hey, without God, I cannot win at relationships without God. This relationship cannot be the best that it possibly could be. I'll speak in because I don't know if anyone else is right now, but um, I know I'll just say a friend, even though you can probably gather that it's me. That it's <laughs> I have a friend that has life. the exact same color hair and eyes as yes, I do. <laughs> I have a friend who has a parent who um, just doesn't you know, know Jesus. And I've seen in their life just how um, all of her work relationships are always like full of tension. Her, she's had a lot of like failed marriages, a lot of failed um, just interactions with people, and I've seen how that's taken a toll on her. Um, and it breaks my heart to see that because I know that like Jesus is what can mend all of the sources of tension. Because what it comes down to is she believes it's everybody else's fault, um, but it's really her not knowing that having a relationship with Jesus is what can make the, her relationships healthy. That she's actually in part the issue in a lot of our relationships is not just everybody else sucks and I'm great. So that's an example of someone I know that I, I know my friend knows. Yeah. That's your friend knows. friend knows. That's good. <laughs> Donovan, what you got? So I'll just say it's me uh, from, from the rip. <laughs> you said be honest, man. So now I was just talking to one of my homies uh, earlier today, um, a, a guy that went to IUP after I did. And the conversation was so amazing. And we got to talk about some of the struggles he's overcome in the last few years. And I realized we hadn't talked in years. And it's because I was judging him like crazy. Because mm. when he was in those struggles, I just kept saying, well, if he had Jesus, you know, mm. th that, that would have all been resolved. Right. And um, come to find out God has moved masterfully in his life. And we have this great conversation. And I think the reason why it was so great is because there was no... Uh, expectation of him meeting my standards. It was all about just loving and enjoying and celebrating the grace that had been poured out on him. That I should have been the one like boosting about the whole time, right? But every once in a while we get we get it chopped up and we think that where we are in God is because of us. Mm -hmm. So my friendships have always been best. My relationships overall have always been best when I remember that God helped me a lot and that my friends need that too. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you bring up a great point is that um, whenever you can recognize the relationship that you personally have with God, 
that it is not dependent on you or how good you are or how, you know, buttoned up you you have become, right? When you can recognize that in your own life, it's so much easier to give grace to other people. It's so much easier to yeah. love other people the way that you've been loved if you truly recognize the fact that, hey, without God, man, I wouldn't be here right now. You know, without the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ, I wouldn't even know what real love is. And yeah. so it really helps when you have that revelation, that yeah. experience to love other people in the in the right way. I mean, I always say this, and this is corny. I've been saying this since I was a youth pastor years ago, but no one wakes up in the morning and goes, lungs, breathe. Like none of you started the day like that, yeah. right? Yeah. If Julie, you did, if you're you did, weird. You're, buzzing, you're really <laughs> weird. That's exactly how I started okay. my day. Like, Open my eyes, lungs breathe. Lungs breathe. <laughs> I activate lungs. <laughs> Heart pump. Like Inspector so, Gadget over here. Yeah. So like just just off of the strength of that alone, like we need God so much. Mm-hmm. Your essay no doesn't work in your heart. Yeah, I studied anatomy. Your essay no doesn't work unless God, you know, gets it, gets it percolating yeah. for you. So all of us have need of God. And if we just give people that same courtesy and be okay with the fact that they need God too, your relationships are so much better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially for, uh, for a few of us in here, um, we're married. And like that, man, if you don't have that in marriage... Like bitterness creeps up so fast mm. if you don't have like the realization <laughs> that, man, I suck too. <laughs> like, you know? Kendall, my wife's perfect. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, I'll admit my husband is not perfect. Uh, this, this, this is being recorded. My wife is perfect. <laughs> Felicia does seem pretty perfect, I go. must say. Good job. Good job. <laughs> nice. Michael. Um, so I think that one of the things I think about is how relationships sort of have an advantage right out of the gate if the people who are forming the relationship both have the common goal of honoring God. I know all of the relationships that I've formed since starting this residency here at Summit and also with uh, the group at United, all of those relationships have an advantage because we're all there for a common cause. And so we have something in common. Even if we have nothing else in common, we have that in common. That's good. And that's a really good bridge, bridge building mechanism. It's a really good way to start a relationship. And I think if you start a relationship well, then those relationships stand a better chance of, of, of being good relationships over time. Man, that's so good. Like, I, it even goes back to really the very first thing we talked about is that Jesus really is the key to being united, to having unity, to, to seeing harmony here on this earth. And really, I mean, even if you met someone across the country or across the world um, that you never knew, whatever, like you don't share any kind of uh, similarities with whatsoever, except that you both know and love Jesus, you have something that unifies you immediately. So that's a great point, dude. That's really good. Really mm-hmm. good. Yeah. I'll add to that too, that like, um, whenever I was dating way back when a long time ago, someone asked me like, would you ever date someone who like, wasn't a Jesus follower? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I mean, I couldn't because that's like the one thing in my life that I cannot compromise. Like that's the yeah. one thing that is my driving force is Jesus. So like if I'm dating someone who maybe they just don't, maybe they love that I have that driving force, but they don't have that for themselves. It's like, that's not going to work out. And that's not to, you know, diminish that. I know people that have dated someone that was not a Christian. They became a Christian. That's called missionary dating people. It's a thing. Yeah. Sometimes it works, but it usually doesn't. Don't Didn't do it. not work for me. Yeah. But it's failed attempt. Yeah. And it's like, you have to have that same mission and that's going to unite you down the road and you're going to have an advantage over, you know, someone who is going against the grain of what you want 
Yeah, and all of that pairs really well with what you guys were talking about, about remembering how difficult things used to be for you and how difficult things are still for you sometimes. Mm -hmm. Because when you can match that unification that you get with forming a relationship with somebody who also desires to honor God, Mm -hmm. you have that unification at work, but then you also have you're also able to tap into that grace when trying to form it relationships with people who don't know the love of God. Mm -hmm. And so when you have Mm -hmm. both of those things at play at the same time, you're in touch with the imperfections about yourself and your own Mm -hmm. history that allows you to extend grace to people who are outside of the faith. And then when you have the unity that comes from the desire to honor God, then you can play in both fields with both unbelievers Mm -hmm. and believers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mike is preaching truth. Yeah, Mike's (laughs) preaching truth. In this, this question here that um, just says that you can't win at relationships without God. Relationships require give and take, and they require love, whether it's parent and child, whether it's friend and friend, whether it's husband and wife. And, you know, God's word says that God is love. And then in um, 1 Corinthians 13, this verse that we hear over and over again, love, if we're thinking of that being God, God slash love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So if you take God out of the relationship, it is impatient. Mm -hmm. It is not kind. It does envy. It does boast. It is arrogant. It is rude, and so on and so forth. Like our, our human condition and our human curse um, undoubtedly makes things selfish and people will always fail each other eventually. And if God isn't the foundation on which they stand, like Kendall said, it gets bitter. Well, and I'll, I'll throw this out too. Like, so you read the love passage and we're so used to that being something that's a fixture in like weddings, mm-hmm. right? But the context Paul's dealing with, like not everybody was like married that he was talking to. Right. Um, Caleb kind of said this last night, if you weren't at Unite, you, you should go on our YouTube channel and check that out. But um, Caleb was talking about how the church is filled with single people and that, you know, our messages can't always be about that. So take that First Corinthians passage and just overlay that for any relationship you have. Yeah. Like, because if you're waiting for marriage to, to figure out love is patient, well, then, you know, the friendships <laughs> yeah. are going to be rough. Your yeah. work exactly. relationships are going to be rough. But then also... Um, understanding that the Greeks were pretty cool because they had four words for love. And so it's like agape love mm-hmm. is patient. Agape mm-hmm. love is kind, mm-hmm. right? Agape love doesn't keep track of wrongs. And we can go even deeper. If God is love, then God is patient mm-hmm. and God is kind. So how do, you, how do you do this whole relationship thing? If the person who is patience, not just is patient, mm-hmm. but is patience, mm-hmm. if you don't have him, Good you, luck. You, you're, you're <laughs> ill-equipped. Yeah. Task at, hand. at the least. Yeah. 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 I think that, um, you know, uh, one of the questions in here is about uh, wounded relationships uh, mm. in the book. And as I think about like, okay, well, it's easy. Like, you know, we're sitting here. Hey, if you just have Jesus, you have God, like, you know, he's there for you. And you read about like how patient he is and how kind and just do that. Like then your relationships will win and it'll be great. And that is good. And like, but a lot Podcast of times episode over. Yeah. <laughs> drop the mic. A lot of times we just stop there. Right. Um, but what about those people who have been wounded by relationships? What about those people who have been wounded by uh, any number, uh, by, wounded by the church relationships, wounded by friendships, wounded by uh, familial relationships, wounded by, um, you know, by a romantic relationship or whatever? What are those people, what about 
Like, what would you say to them about that? I mean, how, how would we put this in, in the context of someone who's been wounded in relationship and say, well, just give it, you know, just give it another chance. Like you give it another go. You can do it. Like, you know, God's patient and God's kind and it's going to all work out. And you know, what, what, what is something that you would say, maybe, maybe even put it in this context, uh, have you been wounded by a relationship? And if you have, then what is something that got you out of that? that helped you to refocus maybe back on who God is and purpose for maybe even that wound, uh, that how God can turn those things, uh, you know, take, take, uh, give beauty for ashes, so to speak, you know? Well, how, how honest are we getting? I was going to say, I definitely, <laughs> I can just speak into this too, of just, you know, I've been very in relationships, romantic relationships, whatever, but I've been very wounded specifically by the church, which is probably like a story for a lot of people. And I had to realize that, as much as, you know, we we strive to be patient, kind, all these things, like people are human. Like no matter how much we try, we cannot love as perfectly as Jesus can. But to say, okay, you hurt me, that's how God is now, because you hurt me, you weren't patient with me, you weren't kind to me, you held things against me. Like we we tend to superimpose that of oh, that's how Jesus is then. Like that's how the people on that follow him, I'm doing air quotes, follow him are acting. then that's how Jesus is that I want nothing to do with it. And that's how people leave the church whenever they are. People never leave the church because God's, they haven't experienced God's love. They leave because people haven't expressed God's love to them Mm -hmm. and they just superimpose that. And so for me, it took realizing, you know, these people are human. They're imperfect. I'm imperfect, but I cannot, you know, use their love as a gauge of Christ's love. Mm -hmm. And I have to focus on his love and like realizing too, like just, Think deeply about this. We can't even put into words how deep God's love is. Like we have agape, we have like mm. phileo, we have all these different Greek words that describe mm. his love. But mm. even our English language, there's not a word to describe how deep it is. It goes beyond anything you've ever experienced in a relationship, even the best relationship you've had. Mm. That love is still nothing compared. So just realizing there's a totally different playing field, you know, with God's love whenever you're wounded. So. Mm-hmm. Given your velvet voice, Mike, I'm sure you've hurt somebody in the past. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Why, why don't you share wow. from a different? Well, well, you guys said it. I mean, this is my first episode. I'm just, I'm just so hearing funny. what y'all said. So, yeah, once you get used to hearing this voice, it's really painful to let it go. Oh man, uh, I meant you were breaking hearts. I, I didn't mean anything about your voice. <laughs> um, so, there's probably two things that I would say to people who are wounded by relationships. First. And this is useful if you haven't been wounded by relationships and you want to you want to not be wounded as severely as you could be if you want to sort of mitigate that ahead of time. Um, betrayal is a lot worse when you idolize the person who betrayed mm. you. Whoa. Yep, so, definitely. Um, this is pretty common when it comes to church people. People on the outside will idolize them and try to view them as a representation of Christ himself. And that's mm-hmm. a huge mistake. Yeah. Huge mistake. Mm-hmm. Everywhere I go, whether it's outside of the church or inside of the church, I always approach people from the context of the fallen nature. I just mm-hmm. assume that everyone is full of snakes and those snakes can potentially bite me if mm-hmm. I, you know, if, if I don't interact with them accordingly. And that allows me to give them a lot more grace because mm-hmm. I know that I'm full of snakes and that mm-hmm. it's, it's just part and parcel of living in this world. And so you can tap into forgiveness a lot better when you view people that way. And also... When you are betrayed by somebody, if you didn't idolize them, then it's not it's not as if you were betrayed by being itself. I mean, if you if you see somebody as God to you, as godlike, and then they betray you, 
where else are you going to go? I mean, if, if, if someone mm. who is, who you've deified has betrayed you, it, it, it sucks the meaning and purpose out of your life because the betrayal hits much deeper. That's the first thing. So mm-hmm. just never idolize anyone and that'll help you in the event that they betray you because it's not like you want to expect them to betray you, but it won't hurt as bad if you didn't idolize them to begin with. Right. The second thing is that if you're already hurting and you've already been wounded, I would just encourage you to feel it, to, to just allow yourself to feel the pain. And because you can't process pain unless you feel it mm-hmm. and you'll be tempted to sort of tuck it away and kick it under the rug. But the, the way pain works psychologically is that it will not go away for the rest of your life unless you feel it. You have mm-hmm. to connect with it and experience it or else it'll you'll think that it's gone, but it'll just manifest somewhere else as some sort of uh, toxic behavior trait later in life. And you might forget what it's connected to, but it's connected to a pain a pain that you may have forgotten the memory that's associated with that pain, but the pain's going to resurface as some sort of dysfunctional behavior in your life later if you don't allow yourself to process it and feel it, uh, you know, in the wake of that. And I would also say, you know, if you're, in, if you're feeling that right now, it looks like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. That's what it's supposed to look like. So when you feel those, when you feel the pain and it seems like there's not, not going to be an end to it, just understand that that's what it is supposed to feel like. That's what healing feels like. Mm-hmm. And it, cause, because you can feel that and think, oh, well, I must be doing this wrong. If it's this painful and it doesn't feel like it's going to end, this is just going to keep getting worse until I'm not here anymore. But that's not the case. That's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. You'll get braver. You'll, 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 you'll become tougher and you'll, you will overcome the difficulty that way. But you have to feel it. That's so good, dude. Mm-hmm. I think that you yeah. really illuminated two things like specifically that you can, we could speak on directly, but they have Mm -hmm. kind of a foundational element in them is that, uh, it really is just like, we must cling to Jesus, right? Like if we're having to go through that pain, there, there's absolutely therapy that we can go through. There's people that we can talk to. There's, there's professionals and all that. However, there is also a savior who took upon all of our pain and all of our heartache upon himself when he died on the cross. And when he rose again, he eradicated that. And we can go to him and say, this is my burden. This is my plight. This is my pain. And, uh, allow, he can allow us to feel that, help us to feel it in the light of the cross, in a perspective of it is completely dark right now. It is completely painful right now. However, because Christ is victorious, I know I can get through this. And so that's, that's a great thing there. And then you also mentioned about, you know, idolizing people, dude, Mm. here's the deal. That's really what this whole chapter, this really what uh, is about. That's really what Caleb talked about last night. In a sense, even though he didn't just spell it out, he said, like, if God is not enough, if God is not enough for you, if the relationship with Jesus is not enough for you, then nothing else ever will be. And a lot of times that's what happens is that we put our hope, we put our future, we put our purpose, we put our plans in someone else's hands Mm -hmm. other than God, even other than ourselves. We say here, Here's my life. You can have it. We, we do to other people what we should be doing to Christ or doing for Christ is that we say, hey, here's this relationship that I'm trying to enter into, um, this romantic relationship that I'm trying to enter into, and I'm going to give them all of me. I'm going to give them absolutely, even John Legend saying it, right? I'm going to give them all of me. Every single thing that is going on for me, my purpose, my, my desires, it's all on them. And you put them on this pedestal, you idolize them, you say, they are my God. I will worship at the foot of this person. And then they do something that really 
isn't even a betrayal mm-hmm. yet. And it feels like it's the end of the world because mm-hmm. they weren't perfect because you thought that they were supposed to be perfect and they weren't. And now it it's created, honestly, it's created this culture of running away from relationship. Mm-hmm. It's created a culture of not going very deep in relationship. Um, it's created a culture, uh, it's created a hookup culture, essentially, that I'm just going to have the fun without having the uh, the actual real intimacy. I'm just going to imitate it and be an imposter. Um, you know, even in relationships, it becomes this, I'm just going to have friends to have fun with. I'm just going to have friends to be around, um, but I'm not going to be vulnerable around these people and really, you know, uh, walk in my relationship with Jesus with these people. Um, so, you know, it can go one of two ways. We can either put all of our purposes, all of our plans, all of our desires in someone else's hands and therefore idolize them. Or once we're wounded, we can say, I'm not ever going deep with anybody ever again. But that is all fixed in my mind. I believe that is all fixed if we first if we first remember our relationship with Jesus and mm. we say our hope and our purpose and our plans and our desires are all given to him. And then when I am wounded, I still look to him to heal because I know that healing is, is only in him. Hmm. Donovan, you look like you are in some deep thought. Man, because I, I just want to hop off of so many things y'all talked about. Um, it's funny, like Mike was saying earlier about the whole idolizing somebody and then they hurt you. Um, it it kind of reminds me, this is somewhat off topic, but it reminds me of how it said the punch that, that, that gets you is the one you didn't see. Hmm. Right. And so like when you idolize that person, you don't see the fact that they're, they're, they're potentially going to swing on you. And so then when they do that, th- when you get knocked out, it's because you didn't see that thing coming. Like the one you could see, the one you expected, it's like, all right, that hurt. But I'm still in it. I'm still in it. Then it's that punch that comes across and you didn't see it. It's like, that's what I thought of right away. Another thing is, and I think this kind of plays off of what both of you said, is just about expectations. We end up having these really, really high expectations off of somebody that we're idolizing. And as a result, when we do get hurt, we end up having very low expectations of the Lord Mm. Mm -hmm. because we idolize them. And so like the godlike figure hurt us. And so then the actual God has to be as terrible as the godlike figure. Yeah. Uh, So it's really just a matter of uh, tempering our expectations with humans and making sure we have appropriate expectations with God. Um, I think that's that's crucial. Yeah. And that's, you know, kind of Caleb talked about that a little bit last night of like, our expectation of, of someone in a relationship should never be, you're going to be my fulfillment because if that's the expectation, like it will fall short every single time. And like, you know, Caleb talked about single people, but that's in marriage too. Like mm-hmm. if my husband is my fulfillment and I have definitely, I will admit and repent to all y'all that I've, you know, given my husband like this God complex of like, he's my spiritual fulfillment. He's the one that has all the answers, blah, blah, blah. And whenever he didn't have the answer and he, where he wasn't around or whatever, I fell flat and was like, what do I do now? And that's because like when you have that false expectation mm-hmm. of my husband fulfills me, my best friend fulfills me when they're gone and they do fail you, you're going to be like, what the heck? What do I do? And God has to be that f- fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some things that, um, well, Michael, were you about to say something to that? Um, I, just, I can just add a couple things. I think that we are designed whether we know it or not, to give all of ourselves to God, which is why we sometimes think that giving all of ourselves to someone else is the right way of loving them. Mm. And we fail to see, Kendall, you touched a lot on this, how that's like really unfair for the person who you're trying to love because they have a, they have a God-like standard they have to meet every day with you. 
And if they don't meet that standard, then you overreact to them because it's hurt you so much. And so you, it creates a lot of toxicity that way. And then the other thing also was you, you talked a little bit about past, present, and future, and purpose, and meaning, and all that. If all of that is tied up in one person, and that's where you've invested all of those things. I mean, it's painful to lose somebody that you love, but it is way worse to lose your meaning, your purpose, your past, your present, your yeah. future, yeah. the whole thing. I mean, you lost then, yourself. Right. Then you're yeah. just in nihilism, and it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm. Dude. You're like spitting the truth today, man. Mike was on fire today. <laughs> He's crushing mm-hmm. it. What are some things? So here, here we're going to finish up the next couple of minutes just with some practical stuff, right? Yeah. What are some things specifically for you individually um, that you use to deepen your relationship with Christ so that you don't allow someone else to take his place? Uh, essentially on the throne of your heart, like, or on the throne of your mind, or, uh, you know, on the pedestal, essentially. What are some things that you personally are doing that you're finding that's helping you out a lot? Um, Because we can talk all day long about, hey, you know, we got to let Jesus be the center. We got to let Jesus be the center. But how do we actually do that? What are the practical things that you're seeing in your own life that's drawing you closer to God, that's deepening your relationship with Jesus, that is allowing you to truly put all faith, hope, trust, and belief in him that he's got a place, he's got a purpose, he's got provision for you, like he's got an identity for you. What are some things that y'all are doing? We're still working on it. <laughs> I mean, yes, in progress. Julia, you haven't talked that much today. That's all and right. And if you have, you, <laughs> it's you, best you... that I don't after the way this started. <laughs> Just so y'all know, again, if this is on video, the times that Julia has talked, she's push the mic away from her so we can't hear her but it's okay so why don't you tell us (laughs) give us all of the secrets of how to get close to jesus what is is something you're doing practically because you're the only single one here too right i am yes so you got all the free time i am the only single one um don't say that so enthusiastically No, it, it is a blessing and it is a gift as caleb was saying last night (laughs) um I guess, well, if we're talking tangible, I was forced into a season where it was not my choice to have an idol and in a relationship anymore. I, this is going to super real, super fast, but like I lost the person that I was dating to death to a car accident that I was also in. And, uh, who was that, uh, like real big heart check in who my God was and like who I placed everything in. Um, and so that in and of itself forced me, I didn't do a good job of it at first, to, to sit there and even just be so real with God and pray for the help to put him back in the place of God again, like to put him back in the place of being my first and true love mm-hmm. always, no matter what. And this kind of goes back to what Caleb was saying last night. And I just so appreciated the way he went about last night. Like even in his prayer, he's just like, God, I am standing here on this stage, like still not entirely trusting you with my future. I don't want to be single forever, but like help me, you know, surrender that if that so be the case. Um, So tangibly, I... Sometimes I just ask God, as crazy as it sounds, that I have to ask 
the God of the universe that sent his son to die for me, that I have to ask for help in loving him. That's mm. um, nuts. But yeah, sometimes I have to simply just write that out, like day after day after day, or look up pertinent scripture to that specifically. Um, yeah, I just, I, it's not any magic answer, but simply just like meditating on the fact that you can't put all your eggs in one basket in people, in anything. Um, I know we're just talking relationships, but like professions, careers, aspirations, they're all great, but like it can't be where, it can't be where everything lies because when it's gone, you will have, you will have nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things you just touched on there um, at the end is identity, right? Like that our identity can be wrapped up in anything. Uh, And a lot of us can wrap up our identity in a relationship for a time being or wrap up our identity in profession or school or our our hopes, our dreams. And um, one of the things that I've had to do, honestly, uh, in the last couple of years is ask God, what is my actual identity in you? Who did you make Kindle to be? Who, who did you make me to be? And um, it actually, uh, I've done a couple of different exercises in this, but um, I've, I've basically written down a, uh, like on a page, um, done two columns, things that I like about myself and things that I don't like about myself. And, um, and this was not my idea. This actually came from a therapist and it's a great idea. It sounded crazy at the time, but it's a great idea. The things that I did not like, and I'm not even gonna say did not like, that I hated about myself, the things that I just could not stand, I, write, I wrote down all of them. It was painful. And I wrote down the things that I really liked about myself or that I felt like God had put in me. Uh, what she asked me to do is she said, Kendall, I want you to uh, pray that God would help you love the person that you don't like that's inside of you. Mm. Help, you love, help you love the things that you hate about yourself. Because until you love the things or love the person that, that is inside of you that you know, you, you've written down that you hate, essentially, um, until you do that, you can't learn how to love other people. Like you, you cannot learn how to love the people in your life that are hard to love if you cannot learn how to love yourself wow. when you're hard to love. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that yeah. was my, I mean, I was like, oh my gosh. And uh, I'm almost tearing up now just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Like that was an incredible moment. And then she said, and the things that you believe that God has put in you, begin to thank him for those things, begin to ask him to, to draw it more out of you, to give him the glory, to really uh, illuminate who you truly are in him, because you aren't these things that, that you used to be that you hate. Um, but you do need to learn how to, to love those. Like he, cause she asked me very clearly, she said, okay, Kendall, these two columns essentially make up who you are. Didn't Christ die for both yeah. columns? Mm. Like, didn't he die for the person that you hate so that you could become the person that you want to be? Jeez, who's and- your, who is this? Yeah, <laughs> uh, she's in Texas. If you want to make a flight out there. Kendall has appointments with Priscilla Shire. Like, who is he Pretty meeting? Much. I mean, yeah, she, uh, she's wild. But um, so like that, honestly, out of all the sessions I've ever had, that was the most impactful one because it helps me, it helped me to understand, and I've been able to carry it along with me for the last few years, is how do I love um, who God made me to be? Not only love who he made me to be, um, but actually understand who he made me Mm. to be. Because if I understand who I am, if I understand um, who Kendall is in Christ, then mm-hmm. I can love other people 
way better. Because when I start to do something that doesn't align with who I think God has made me to be, then I'm reminded very quickly, uh, that's not you. Hmm. That's not who you are. Mm -hmm. That's, that's absolutely not who I made you to be. Um, you know, remember that's the person that, that you love and you wanted me to die for, but that's not, that's not who you are. Hmm. And so, uh, man, that's been something that's been incredibly helpful for me. And I've even had to go back to that sometimes, um, you know, about God, help me love, uh, help me love me, um, the way that you love me. Uh, and this is not, again, we, we get mixed up in love. I do want to make sure I say this. This is not a self love, uh, thing. Like this is not a, I love myself and I'm beautiful just the way I am. And man, like everything's great. No, no, no. This is the agape love to myself even to say like you, I love you even in spite of your, your shortcomings well, you and your failures. It, right? Like if this was self-love, if that's what we were confusing this with, you wouldn't have the I hate you list. Yeah. Right. You're right. As soon as you put the I hate you list, <laughs> there, then it becomes agape lover. It has to be. Yeah. Because filio and eros and uh, storge, like those other types of love um, they don't work with the, the, the I hate you mm-hmm. list. Like brotherly love only works when you consider somebody a brother. Eros only works when you consider somebody sexy. And Storgi <laughs> only works when you consider somebody family, but you need agape love so that yeah. I love you when you're not my brother, when you're not my family, when I don't find you sexy. And in, in my case personally, or in your case, when I don't even enjoy the person I see in the mirror, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need to have that God type of love because he loves me even when I hate it myself. Yeah, yeah, that's, sure. that's dope, man. Yeah, super good. Hey, here's what I'm going to do real quick. Uh, We're going to, this is a good conversation. I want to stop it. So we're going to do a part two. So on the next episode, uh, we're going to basically wrap up this conversation uh, because it's good and I don't think it's over. So thanks for listening to part one. Uh, We'll be with you in part two next week. Thanks for listening to the ULOC podcast presented by United IUP. If you would like to join our community, visit unitediup.com or follow us on Instagram at unitediup. United meets every Tuesday at 727 p.m. in the Indiana Theater located at 637 Philadelphia Street in Indiana, PA. Come live united.